Hello, you are listening to Oblivion. It is March 13th, 2023. Well, David, the local weather here at the Miller General Studios, it's a cold one here in mid-March. Or beware the Ides of March, David. It's ter- after record heat a couple weeks ago. Suddenly it's kind of cold, windy, bitter. And um, I was I was I was out and I was just thinking the same thing. And it's interesting because uh, uh, I'm not a usable uh, errand runner, but today sort of became one of those <clears throat> errand days. And so there's a good bit of uh, going uh, outside into parking lots and <laughs> so forth. And uh, it is. Yes, yeah, it's, it's downright chilly. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, it's let's transition. Let's stuff. transition straight into the chilly part of our uh, week's news. Uh, Biden okay's drilling in the North Slope of Alaska, eight billion dollar drilling outfit. Uh, he's fighting that climate change by burning it all quickly, getting it over with. You know? uh, so uh, here's the line <laughs> that I uh, wrote down just before the podcast so this is fresh off the griddle <laughs> we'll call this segment dave's fresh off the griddle all right so i just wrote just now okay the uh here we go if i can here we go oh yeah the the bills are paid and the warlords cozy up by the fireplace mm. oh that makes me feel warmer And I was just thinking there's something twisted, right, about using the Christmas holiday if you if you see Christmas as being about uh, Christ, right, and the message of Jesus. Well, of, of peace and love, right? And you're using this specifically to center it around and say, no, you know, uh, this holiday is the coalescence of of what we are, which is a war machine, right? That's Western culture, you know, that's the uh, core uh, apparatus and and the, the manufacturing machine, right? I think maybe there's gotten something from me about the Biden hard on blue collar rah rah about the plant in Scranton that everything's great because they, they get to make all these weapons and they can do it because it's America and Americans work hard <laughs> and um, and really as long as that's going to be the singular kind of upward you know vacuum suction of all the the money and the resources like what does it all add up to right you look at the hierarchy and where the concentration of wealth is where is it all being spent what 32 billion and one in the first year to ukraine where's my where's yeah speaking of well just one more betrayal one more betrayal of the week directly from biden uh you're, you're you're feeding this machine right uh, yeah, the yeah, go on. Yeah, Biden betrays D.C. 
the District of Columbia. Uh, that was basically where he, he right. backed the uh, GOP efforts to quash um, what was it? Home it was rule like by home rule. Yeah. criminal justice, local criminal justice right. reform in D.C. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so much for small government. Yeah, but he's I, always I, like this. Again, Instead it's exactly going, it's exactly how he's been. So it's no, um, you know, we, we've talked we've talked about it many times before in relation to his uh, drug war policy, drug warrior policy, and his uh, tendency, tendency to be. Uh, a drug warrior. It's the Democrats because you got to think Joe Biden wasn't he vice president, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> and who, yeah. who was he vice president under? Under the Obama con. Yeah. And uh, right. So, you know, betrays DC. got Obama con from uh, <laughs> yes, uh, 2008 to 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was the Obamacons, you know, furthering uh, of of the the right and capitulation, you know, and ad- adherence to uh, right wing agenda politics. Certainly, escalating the war in Afghanistan with at one point a hundred thousand troops over there. Right. And by then he had to know that the war, you know, uh, was uh, was not winnable, which, you know, both parties knew and, and lied. Um, but the it, anyway, it was the Obamacons really <laughs> very poor uh, presidency, I think, you know, leaving people um, unhealed from what got him in, which was the meltdown of 2008, which of course is significant because of this, these stories about the banks, right? I think today the signature bank and then the Silicon Valley bank failures. Got it. Said, got it rolling. Got it rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So what, you want to tell us uh, what you think about these bank failures? <laughs> well, I, I've, I, it's a little, uh, I've read a little bad, you know, I'm, <clears throat> can't say I'm an expert, it's pretty, uh, but straightforward. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Well, uh, you know, apparently um, uh, there was a bank run, uh, and uh, a classic bank run. And um, now, initially, uh, I mean, what it's kind of expanded uh, from. Every, the government, if you're in a regular bank with a regular bank account, checking or savings, and I guess even CDs are covered with that too, uh, you're insured up to $250,000 uh, per person per, you know, bank. So you could go, you know, put 250000 in one bank and put it in another one, and if the if both of them fail, you should get a half million, your all your half million back. Well, what's basically been done here is that most of the money at this bank are like rich, um, start, you know, companies, rich people um, in the San Francisco area, uh, tech startups, uh, this kind of thing. And, of course, they're going to lose their ass, right, if they don't get bailed out. And uh, so um, basically that's what's happened Um 
the, the bank was bailed out and <clears throat> I mean I think it it's went bankrupt um, totally as far as I know uh, but uh, everybody will be whole everybody will be fine you know in the meantime regular people that are um, uh, fucked over by huge medical bills uh, and uh, you know totally ruined and bankrupted um, uh, the probably a million people are like that every year are they being bailed out by not having to pay these <laughs> no uh, and the list goes on and on right so uh, right. you know it's just it is an outrage um, basically yeah that it, and, it, it um, is yeah yet, an, yet another outrage definitely and just something that you know, it shouldn't happen, but it doesn't surprise you that it does happen. And there's the uh, get this, the super imaginative response from the Democrats, which is, you know, whose fault is this? Can that they say that it's you know Donald Trump? Like this, he's the singular thing that you've you've actually happen. seen that uh, in reference to these bank. Uh, and they've and said there that was he did. Uh, <laughs> I was reading. Trump did sign into law something in 2018 that basically made it easier rolled back him. regulations that had been um, put in place. But of course, hmm. you know, the president doesn't make the laws. You know, when a Democrat's president, the hmm. emphasis is always on things can't get done because Congress makes the laws. And so the president can only do such and such right but you know we know congress is never going to do well back back to, back things. to you mentioning the obama i mean he was the one that innovated the you know the latest rounds of total um uh, deregulation you know he didn't punish any of these uh, fraudster exactly. banks and then after that well there was a period where it was all tightened up but not long and it's just the exact same things that happened uh, before well, are still allowed, and um, you know, in the least, yeah, it, uh, it's probably but worse. You, see, you, <laughs> you know, you, you can kind of see like the prequel to the shutdown of Build Back Better under the Obamacon because the big thing that had happened was the way that everybody really got hit. I mean, the the crash. Uh, disproportionately affected of course the poor you know they get hurt the most because they have the least amount of money so when things go bad um now it really hurts if if you're poor you know and then it then you have the uh, the big uh inevitable drop off of you know some people who could really think of themselves as solidly middle class you know, they're also now poor because they've gone down a notch. Like, uh, they've lost something and people lost their savings. They lost their, their jobs, right? And in a society where you've got to have a job, look, you know, Joe, jobs report, Biden. <laughs> look at the jobs report. The jobs report that's been his blow off, uh, uh, condescending. <laughs> Typical Biden, you know, clearly just doesn't care. Okay. Hey, hey, here's uh, you know, a vacationing at his billionaire's um, place over the you know holidays, and then uh, you know being in the warlord, being the the arms dealer, and that's what he's gonna 
built his legacy on is that he pumped up the war machine and you know, kept <laughs> kept NATO, NATO strong. I mean, this is so like 1950s and um, yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really horrifying. Here's a quick headline. Uh, Barney Frank, a co-author of key banking legislation, was on the board of one of the failed banks. <laughs> okay, I see. It's, uh, right, uh, these same the, old The, the same names. regulators are, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, Barney Frank okay, was on that, was on the Fra- um, Dodd-Frank legislation, right? You remember that? That was the, kind of, that was the thing that, came out of the 08 crash uh, was the Barney, uh, the Dodd-Frank uh, legislation, which was uh, a failure. Basically, it was, um, it kind of allowed banks to just sort of make up the rules. And so they've, they've basically, um, by special language, have just totally neutered uh, what was done with uh, Dodd-Frank. Um, they just have to like, I don't know, um, make some sort of oblique statement about some that it's a certain type of um, security and therefore you're just exempt from from being a total uh, gambling fraudster. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm reading these, um, you know, because it's kind of an ongoing little little crisis, uh, really, because a lot of other banks are suddenly their stocks are going, you know, through the, you know, people are jittery, uh, uh, taking money out, uh, <laughs> everywhere, you know, cause people are jittery and, you know, it, something could come from sure. this more than, uh, uh, so, you know, we could be seeing, uh, the latest crash. We're kind of overdue really. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, if you think about yeah, it, because, yeah, I mean, there was like the, um, well, there's the dot-com, uh, that was kind of the the first big modern bubble financialized crash, and what was that, 99, 2000? Um, right. And so then there was 08, um, but so we haven't had, so that's 15 years. So, right, uh, but if I, if I may point out for emphasis, I think really uh, 08 is... Uh, it's like a major meltdown. Um, right. Th- I, I would call 2000 a, a downturn. But it wasn't mm-hmm. a meltdown. Like mm-hmm. 2008's a story. And so that needs to be emphasized. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that, and you, I think I've been consistent on this is that um, there was really uh, no effort to get back to uh, 2000, seven right as a marker of how to recover like we were just fed these uh totally (laughs) ridiculous self-serving uh so-called analyses about how well because we now have had like three consecutive quarters of growth the recession's over (laughs) right and it like this required either $700 billion as a bailout to these investment banks. It was going to be that, or it was, um, it, it was like everything was going to be, uh, was going to crash, right? Like, boom, the end. 
you know, and that's first of all, think about how precarious capitalism is all about image, right? And it looks all like strong and powerful, but it, you know, the the weaknesses and the volatility, right, and the um, the, the incentive for things that are material and selfish, right, at the expense of is this done with care? Is this done with foresight and vision? Right. The, I mean, the whole obsession with fossil fuels and being jackasses about not just you know stopping it with that um, Ukraine. Right. This like, well, you know, let's dust off the, you know, protocol from, you know, uh, 1938 and <laughs> show, show this. <laughs> I mean, these people are just such a yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, move on to um, um, our um, segments on cannabis and the world of drugs. Um, it's a pro drug. <laughs> yeah, we're a pro drug podcast here, uh, Oblivion. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, so you, um, unfortunately the, uh, the bad, um, Give me uh, a D. Uh, the bad that happened the Tuesday after last week's show, uh, um, was that Oklahoma voted out, resoundingly voted out, um, the, recreational, uh, recreational cannabis and, uh, you know, inter- interesting Failed. result because it's already f- quite overrun with cannabis. Uh, I mean, they have right. a, a huge number of warehouses, and, and apparently, it's very easy to get a medical card. Um, right. And you, of course, you know, it's just piles of it go out and just to the local population for sure. And of course, further than that, we know yeah, that I think has to the happen too. incentive to stop the recreational is, is the effort to continue to stigmatize it and to, to vilify it. Right. Well, I, 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 but I mean, I, I'm a little perplexed. I mean, if the state is permitting this um, pretty heavy level of, uh, cannabis production and distribution within the state. Uh, what's the big deal about then? Um, it's everywhere. Well, well, they, the thing then, is, is, is that you're you're talking uh, like a capitalist, right? <laughs> and that's the big myth in America is that that isn't how these people look at it. Uh, it's still about punishment. And in any way you can. Well, no, I I don't think I was talking like a capitalist. I think I'm talking more like a socialist and that uh, uh, civil liberties, equality, um, you know. uh, uh, Well, sure. Um, um, But now, for sure, definitely uh, people aren't into that. I think as we both know, again, Well, but I mean, they're they're they're. They're into it to the extent that they the state is awash in cannabis. I just am a little perplexed why. Uh, I mean, what's the big difference? You know, I don't know why they just decided. Well, we've gone too far now, and that um, I mean maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the thing is that uh, this majority, this sixty three to thirty eight or whatever majority, uh, sixty two to thirty eight. Um, I mean, I I definitely agree with you that it's idiotic. I mean, if that's basically what you're saying. 
Well, I don't know about idiotic. I'm just perplexed. What What are the, I mean, why did, um, you know, uh, is it just because uh, they think it's sufficient currently as it is, most of this population? and um, uh, They're using a rejection of, of recreational legalization as a way to maintain the, uh, the, the stigma and the, the reefer madness uh, hmm. myths that it that the teenagers get it uh, you know yeah, one but of the why, big why did it pass it passed it quite you know next door in missouri or catty corner uh, right and then so i think i just don't know why some of the, these populations are rejecting it and some aren't is it because well, in missouri there the wasn't as factors. good a, yeah or what are those cultures cultural differences then well for example with oklahoma look at who's behind uh, who who was behind the, the no vote right the the church right the the baptist uh the police mm. right the mm. district attorneys and right the the people that you know want to punish and you know have a strict society mm. uh like the governor said like you know we don't want a stone society which uh, I mean, that's basically the mindset of a of a tyrant, right? Like we are the state. Yeah, right? yeah. that's how they look at it. Mm-hmm. We have the power. We are the state. It's not like there is the state, right? And you're the governor of the state, and it's Let- not about you. It's about the state, as in like every single person who is. You know, an Oklahoman, and that means people over here and here, and who are like this and this and this. It's like, nope. I mean, that's the same thing that you see in Tennessee and Kentucky with like shutting down uh, uh, drag shows, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, late, later, remind, and, later, remind me to uh, tell you this the full part of the story. But there's a little more to say about the Oklahoma thing, if if, if I may. Um, but I think that we're what we're seeing is that the um, at this point, you know, one way to look at it is that the the states in America that that are uh, liberal or, or quasi liberal or at least conservative, but it's it's libertarian conservative instead of what you might just say like hardcore deep red conservative, mm-hmm. right? They've legalized it, and mm-hmm. so now we're down to the states that are really hardcore conservative. And so it's going to be a different deal in how, if it ever does happen with these states, Mm -hmm. uh, because of, uh, I would just say irrationality. Like the questions you're asking about Oklahoma are, I think, right right on. I'm just saying that the human being is is irrational. Mm -hmm. In some places, their total lack of rationality is, Mm -hmm. is rather off the charts mm. and yeah, yeah you know far more than just you know well people are not robots and not perfect mm-hmm. and uh, well and you know, and definitely oklahoma and is and, is a place like that these people are just really wacko but here's another thing to consider apathy the legal the legalization vote outspent the prohibitionist 20 to 1 Right. So that's interesting because well, it shows right, that right. it wasn't yeah. a simple matter of the money was all mm-hmm. geared toward the message of stop. OK, stop, now, so no. now now we're getting at something. Right. I mean, um, right. 
Well, uh, but the, because people, I, you I know, it's, it's not just a matter of the conservatism. There's also a propaganda, um, uh, money-based propaganda uh, war that was waged there. Um, right, but but that war was heavily in favor of the legalization, pro-legalization. So you're saying the twenty to one was pro-legalization? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Hmm. Legal, legalize it outspent the prohibitionist 20 to one. Wow. So what I think happened was that, and, and this is the thing where it wasn't on the November ballot, hmm. right? When mm-hmm. there are more things on the ballot, especially like say, if it's a governor's race or uh, state legislators, like things that are going to a year win, if it's the president and so forth, uh, if you, if you uh, see, see what I mean, and then also on that same ballot is legalized. Like in Colorado in 2012, that was when it was uh, the Obama-Con and Mitt Romney for president, uh, right? right? So right. the other thing, among the other things that the legalizing in Colorado 2012 and going forward is since it was presidential election, turnout was going to be high. When turnout is high, people who are like, yeah, sure, let's legalize five. Oh, okay. Well, so so that now now I I see real quick. In Oklahoma and didn't go out to vote. But real quick. It had something to do with it. Well, because nobody uh, predicted it would be this lopsided. You're you're getting you're getting at uh, something that I am now remembering, which was that the courts, uh, it was going to be voted for the presidential, right? Uh, it was set up to be during the the main election, and then that was overturned, and it was pushed outside of it through some technical right. so through some election. Quote, yeah, and uh, so yeah, so, so I were, attribute there that was to an extra on the- a, a judicial uh, push uh, that um, right. Well, sure, but good God, right? I yeah. mean, if you really think and be like, yeah, let's get pot legalized, it just you would be excited to mm-hmm. you know go just to vote on that right so the the real thing is and i think that that's you know everything with the grain of salt that's one way you have to look at these uh numbers in terms of favoring legalization is you have to also account for but among the people who are who say yes legalize it you know how many really really care and how many are just saying yes, but they just really couldn't care less because. Well, and, uh, and there's also there's also the element of there's already um, the state is already awash in cannabis. All right. <laughs> it's just everywhere. Well, uh, well, and, yeah, and so, and so the apathy is easy to think of, it, You would just go ahead and legalize it totally. Yeah. But see, that goes to your apathy idea is that uh, it's already there. So. You know, with the other, the other elements, like it's a special election. Um, I know what you mean, but I think it is part of the apathy that you're you're pointing at. It's not just a, um, uh, uh, apathy is not the same as being a hardcore uh, drug warrior, right? Um, so it's, right. that's, but, but that's definitely they, an area where in the future you can get people like that to be, uh, I don't know. Um, Ten years maybe, in. Maybe in the See, future. I think there's kind of the, the playbook is... Because uh, it, fa- it failed in California, and for you know, right? And then, right, but, but it's different when it starts to fail after so many other states have done it because it indicates there's a deceleration in mm-hmm. the legalizing. Because for a while there, it was kind of on fire. 
Yeah. Uh, no, no, no pun intended. Well, but that wasn't long ago. I mean, all of last year, a bunch of extras were put on. Um, right, and I still think that, that uh, Maryland and also M- Missouri doing it, I mean, that's encouraging mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. legalization. Um, and there's also uh, Minnesota, which uh, might do it. Hawaii might do it. Um, Delaware is uh, maybe, but probably won't. Uh, How about but, Kentucky? You got to talk about Kentucky. I oh, mean, it's no, right around the corner. <laughs> I, I don't care about it. I don't. I mean, anyway, is it was there were there any developments? <laughs> yeah, man, they're gonna they're gonna have a vote. It's it's gonna happen. <laughs> just kidding, what? just kidding, just kidding. Of course, Kentucky right. is is it seems to be Kentucky's one of one of the worst in the nation. Drag shows not opening up. I mean, how many how many states are just have no nothing like Kentucky? I mean, it's getting fewer and fewer, right? Um. There's got to be like less than 10. I I read a good article uh, where this guy who used to live in Kentucky and and, uh, now lives in Colorado, which I'm sorry, uh, California, Mm -hmm. um, which I would have to say I give him credit for figuring (laughs) out to make that move. But um, anyway, this guy said that the way Kentucky should do it would be not like these other states, but just cut out the middlemen and let the farmers grow it and sell it just right there at their farms. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I've been driving through the country, uh, one thing that's nice to see are these signs that say, you know, fresh berries and fresh fruit. Mm. And you just go down a gravel road for a little bit. And they've got like, barrels of it and boxes of it and it's all fresh and uh, you know you're helping out the farmers directly i mean i love getting food that way mm-hmm. and man there's no reason that kentucky farmers couldn't do that and they'd also mm-hmm. have you know, like their their barrels of uh of, of weed you know which uh well i mean i kentucky's think he's an excellent place to grow it sure and, and but the the even in it's I, I you know, of course, I think it should be 100 uh, percent, you know, none of this um, uh, seed to bud tracking shit. Um, you know, right. All, I mean, come all, on. All, like, it's so, you know, that that's so onerous. Like, no, no wonder they can't make money. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have to track. Yeah. Shoelaces? And, and, a, and a, this <clears throat> went from. <laughs> yeah. Turn left here. Right. Point seven miles turn right. Turn. Yeah, yeah. So I've, um, I've, yeah. But so, and <clears throat> what he's talking about is really, you know, full legalization. So that's, <laughs> you know, that's going to be opposed even more than whatever tepid medical thing they're coming up with, where you can only get, uh, like Florida was early on, where you could only get those little um, of vapor. Uh, vape things that was early on in florida's um uh medical uh medicinal cannabis uh so yeah but kentucky can't even get that together i mean that one's just totally easy to do right but um yeah whatever okay let's let's move on to our next um 
saying so I get uh, you want to start talking about March Madness I'll, I'll quickly I before we do did, that quickly sure. but let's do um I'm sorry I, I just saw this this one topic that uh, is good to talk about just because <laughs> uh, the China backed Saudi Iran peace deal uh, uh, that just occurred last week uh, of course the Saudis and Iran have been uh, through a sectarian mostly you know this that's uh, this um, uh, Two sects, uh, Islamic sects. Uh, you know, Iran is uh, Sunni. Mm, I always get them confused. Uh, <clears throat> no, the Saudis are Sunnis and the Iranians are Shiites. Is that right? Anyway, <clears throat> I remember that from my history with the Iraq War. Um, so, uh, yeah, the China is, <clears throat> you know, going around the U.S. and uh, getting uh, the... F- uh, foes uh, back together to a certain extent as uh, they're going to have uh, for the seven years they haven't um, uh, Saudi Arabia hasn't had an ambassador in, uh, in Iran so that's going to happen and and uh, so these two big petro powers uh, are kind of on China's side so um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, our uh, extremist uh foreign policy <clears throat> is totally livid about this and uh, uh, uh complete uh complete meltdown about it and evil china is is in bed with iran trying to to turn them into communists you know uh everybody's gonna be a commie now chinese commie and uh, so I don't <clears throat> uh, no need to go on about that. So let's talk about something more frivolous, David. March Madness. Uh, well, I think a good uh, um, connection to, mm-hmm. uh, in the effort to, to integrate uh, all of this <laughs> is uh, we can take the topics that we've been talking about and then with um, – March Madness as La La Land, and these is uh, these are college teams, right? And I don't know what is was is a college, right? And it's I a u- David. David, it's media, a university now. Say the correct you term. You can see where the the term college really is pretty much dissociated from education, learning, classes, professors, like student, you know, um, curriculum, ideas learning uh it that's college is uh, sports and uh building your your brand and uh just the one concise general way to make it before we can get into the more uh festive uh discussion of the games and the tournament itself is while there is this possibility to use college basketball and college sports uh, as a way to have some kind of ongoing discussion of these other issues and topics and discuss them uh, in the matter, for example, like we do on this podcast, then you could see a lot more 
good or some kind of uh, rational basis for um, these sports and whatever kind of influence, worthwhile influence that they're going to be having uh, on the university, right? But if we make ourselves forget all the things I was saying about learning uh, professors, teaching, research, uh, knowledge, and, and those things. Uh, and it, college becomes uh, beer and circus, right? Uh, Murray Sperber's commentary on the influence of uh, big-time sports is that they basically undermine undergraduate uh, education, right? Because it encourages students not to immerse themselves in learning, but to build their brand and to be into this fantasy world of being a winner, right? And getting into this excitement about winning. Um, and uh, that, of course, but that David, around. that teaches them how to lead in the future. Right. It teaches uh, them how to guzzle alcohol. <laughs> and And so then the partying and all of that, and that's why if you're a liberal arts professor and the whole point of your classes is to get people to uh, think about these influences that are working on them and uh, what they pretend to be versus what they really are. And um, well, and it, on a more simple level, uh, it just kind of uh, marginalizes, if, if not erases the professor right the the ethos the presence of the professor is just uh completely obliterated by the uh the blowhard coach like at the at indiana university i mean bob knight was the one who uh, uh was the swinging dick and and uh, uh was was the at the top of the of the command center of of that uh culture at indiana and uh when the students are there for the sports i mean that does have such an overriding influence that um who the students are really impressed by uh they're not there to really look at their professors as this is could be someone maybe uh, actually to look up to instead of just to think what a joke this person is and you can definitely see that, right, with the uh, attacks on education and uh, teachers and trying to, well, you can't teach history. Basically, you can't teach racism. Uh, you've heard about all that stuff going on in, in Florida and elsewhere, what the conservatives call the woke agenda, <laughs> like the teaching, teaching history is uh, a woke agenda. And like the, there was the Confederacy and we had slavery and you know, that was bad and we think it was wrong. And it's what rights are about is that you can't treat people that way. And no, you can't teach that. The <laughs> and, woke so agenda. anyway, uh, with regard to uh, March Madness's La La Land, it uh, uh, nothing like March Madness it is the over the top moment that where it uh, everything is totally subsumed in. The, the sports and completely nothing else matters. And speaking of that, I do remember back in 2017 when I got a, a letter published in the Courier Journal that was critical of a letter that some of the uh, 
the chairs at at UK, some of the maybe the leaders of the of well, some of the of, of the departments, and I think maybe uh, even the uh, the president of of UK and the administrators, and it said that. Um, they were justifying uh, John Calipari's salary and the amount of money that was spent on uh, sports. And it was a lecture on how that's not how economics works, that you can't just say that the uh, professor should make as much money as the coach or the coach should make more money as, than the professors because of separate budgets, right? Because there's the UK athletics has its own budget and it doesn't come out of the state budget. Right. But I mean, Calipari is still considered a state employee. I mean, it is the university. Uh, and so that's just kind of a smoke and mirrors, like jibber jabber, double talk, um, self-serving way of, of justifying the un- unfairness uh, to it. But the one of the, the damning things that these people said, I, I pointed out in my letter, was when these uh, these people argued that the NCAA tournament uh, creates a sense of uh, vivacity and community. Um, Vivacious. Uh, uh, that that is really um, like with, that's the only time of year where the campus really feels this, right? It 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 creates that. Uh, I remember they use that term vivacity and and, and community. But I, I pointed out, but that statement makes you know learning uh, seem like a mundane a- activity right which is the whole point that that's what s- sports do is that it's the sports that are fun and interesting and this other stuff is just like these dues you have to pay right you have to uh do your classes and turn in the papers and um have the discussions and this this and this and 30 percent this 20 percent this and you know i get my grade and i get my credits and i get my degree and i win like the the, the team wins um uh, did, did any of that make sense with the, my <laughs> criticism of the idea of, yeah, yeah really a, a campus should be that the if there is the the vivacity and community should come from a shared passion of learning vivacious wow you know, and then if the faculty were actually um, passion, you have to have passion. Leaders of the, the the university, that's the that's the vibe that they have could so much passion and sustain, right? Instead of it, the university purposely being designed to marginalize, if not obliterate, again to use that uh, term, uh, the professor, right? And in place of that is the uh, larger than life coach, you know, Bob Knight at Indiana, John Calipari at Kentucky. So speaking of John Calipari and Kentucky, dun, 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 they're number six seed and will play the Providence uh, Friars led by <laughs> former Kentucky player Bryce Hopkins, who transferred Fri- Friars. from Kentucky last year, <laughs> didn't play a single minute in Kentucky's first round loss to St. Peter's. So this game, Dave, is going to be all about the pressure, the big-time pressure on John Calipari and Kentucky. Calipari, the $9 million coach, he's going to be going up against his former player who he didn't play a single minute in the first-round game that he lost 
when one of his players, Ty Ty Washington, was not 100%, wasn't having a good game, because he certainly could have used a boost in scoring from the backcourt. And this is significant because for much of the season, uh, Bryce Hopkins was looking like maybe he was the best player in college basketball. And uh, it is true that Providence has had a, a slump going into the uh, late season. They've lost uh, six out of ten games since uh, February the 1st. And I believe they are, they've lost four out of their last uh, six games. So they'd be two and four in their last six games. They lost in the quarterfinals of the Big East Tournament. But Kentucky lost in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, right? To Vanderbilt, who didn't make the NCAA tournament. Vandy beat wow. Kentucky twice. So wow. you may recall, what have I said about this year's Kentucky team? Inconsistent, up and down. And up and down doesn't get it done in the postseason. I'm sticking with that Kentucky goes down. And uh, Hopkins is going to have a, a good game. And... Uh, Kentucky they're, goes they're down in the first Kentucky round, or look 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 bad in now, Provi- uh, against Providence. You're saying, right? Wow. Kentucky loses in the first round. That's oh, wow. going to be my prediction. Wow! But if I may, uh, I'd like to play with it the other way and just say, here's what could happen if Kentucky does beat Providence, which they certainly could do because mm. Providence has cooled off and they are vulnerable. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's not for sure impossible right. that Kentucky would lose the game. It's not that Kentucky has no chance to, to win. Right. Uh, but as from my basketball perspective, uh, Kentucky goes down. If I, if I look at it just like as a basketball fan, a basketball analyst and statistician, I think Kentucky loses. And it's not just the stats. It's not just the 30 for 108 over the last three NCAA tournament appearances, which is 26.7%, which is uh, inexcusably bad for any team, especially a team that's supposed to be like a national uh, power. That, that just shouldn't be happening. This is very poor offense and really not recruiting the right kind of uh, team, uh, not – having enough skilled players on on your team um but the just the momentum of the of the program just uh, seems to be pretty dead and all things in life are like that they run their course and it just seems like that the whole calipari thing uh has has run its course at, at kentucky and so it, it it's just um the the energy doesn't seem there and basketball is a game of energy and then on an even more basic level than that is the talent. The talent just isn't there anymore. These players are not that good. They're nowhere near as good as the really, really great players that Calipari got when he was first at Kentucky. And that was supposed to be the deal with Calipari, is that he was for sure the ace recruiter. And he was for a while. I mean, those early teams that he had, those players were awesome. I mean, they, they all left and went to the pros, but they, they were really good, and they kicked ass in college basketball. Mm-hmm. That's why they had good teams, because they had good players. It is pretty simple in that in that <laughs> right. respect. Right. And then the talent level has just definitely gone down. Like Jacob Top, Toppin started out at Rhode Island. All these guys came from somewhere else. Antonio Reeves, I was saying last week, came from Illinois State. So he's never seen this kind of pressure. Like, if he's so good, 
how come he went to I- Illinois State? <laughs> Why? Right? Because he's not that good. Uh, Wheeler didn't go to Kentucky. He went to Georgia. All these people have transferred to Kentucky. <laughs> the idea with transfers, it's like a transfer mixed in with like a really good recruiting class. I mean, that can help. But building your team around transfers is kind of like cobbling together some mediocre to good players, which is going to get you a mediocre to good team, which would explain why Kentucky has been up and down, because that's what a mediocre to good team is is, is going to do. Um, and I just think that the fact that, that the energy isn't there for Kentucky, the momentum over the program, they've been losing 9-16, losing the first round last year. Um but anyway, what was I rolling with? Let's say Kentucky wins. The bracket that they're in is actually Kentucky uh, uh, gets a break in that regard. So let's say they get past Providence. It's likely that they'll have a, a matchup with Marquette and Madison Square Garden in the regional semifinals. Do you, th- uh, you think and, they'll win against Kansas State if they Yes, yes, they definitely, in terms of the potential number three team that they are likely to play, uh, I think, yes, that Mm. would be, of all the possibilities, the three seed. Now, Kansas State, that's an interesting matchup because Kansas State beat Kentucky in the 2018 Sweet 16, final Mm. score 61 to 58, again, 58 points. You can see the problem is offense. Kentucky's three-point shooting in that game, uh, was pitiful. I think they were three of twelve. Um, that's so terrible. Kansas State has beat them, so it's Kansas uh, State was nine of twenty-one. So that's a difference of what twenty-seven uh, to nine. Like you're outscored by eighteen points at the three-point line. You lose mm-hmm. the, by three. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And, and Kentucky fell behind uh, thirteen to one. So I'm glad I'm remembering this. Here's the thing to look for in the uh, Kentucky-Providence game. In that Kansas State game, Kentucky got off to a slow start. They fell behind 13-1. to In postseason games, getting off to a slow start, uh, that can be the difference in in the game Mm. uh, because of the nerves and because of the high stakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that Kentucky team, uh, that was really the first year where, I mean, they've always been freshmen and young, inexperienced teams. But the talent level was starting to go down. I mean, they were still good, but they weren't totally kick-ass. And now they've gone a notch below where they were in in, in 2018. So slow start against Providence, right? The Providence has the hot hand, has the energy, is taking it to them. The aggressiveness, the energy just isn't there. The connectedness just isn't there for Kentucky. It's over, right? Providence will control the game because – much of the season, Providence did play uh, very well, and including uh, Bryce Hopkins. So if they Providence gets off to a hot start, uh, it's going to be a hard game for Kentucky. And again, Kentucky's three-point shooting uh, has just been so bad for so long, I say you can't count on it. I think their offense is going to be garbage. Uh, I think the coaching sucks. I think the players just aren't that good. But if Kentucky does win that game, uh, and Marquette's beatable, and then Purdue is the number one seed, and they're definitely the weakest number one seed. In fact, I don't even think they're going to make it to the finals of that regional. They'll get beat somewhere along the way, and it could be if Kentucky uh, gets to Madison Square Garden, 
it really could be, uh, uh, that's right, Kentucky and Duke in a regional final because Duke is the four seed, so it could be a 1-4. And let's say, yeah, then uh, Duke beats Purdue and Kentucky beats Marquette. Uh, that could happen. So basketball analyst says Kentucky loses, but basketball fan, Kentucky fan says they could win. And if they do, easy, easiest of the four brackets. Then in the other brackets, um, uh, I just think, uh, oh, Alabama totally dominated the SEC tournament. So I'm going to say they are in the final four. Hmm. And let's see, uh, UCLA. Now, was that they, was that your wild card last week? Was um... No, my wild cards, my dark horses uh-huh. were uh, Texas A&M, Marquette, and Xavier. Uh-huh. So right. as an analyst, I guess I would still stick with Marquette because mm-hmm. they're the actually the two seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier, I may as well. Uh, I'm going to hold off on them. Texas A&M, I'm not sure about either. In fact, the team I'm going to put in there instead is is a Texas, hmm. uh, not Texas A&M, but Texas, because they hmm. beat Kansas by 20 points in the Big 12 Finals, and Kansas beat Kentucky in Rupertina, and so I'm thinking. Um, uh, if Texas is, is on a roll and playing well, uh, I, I kind of like them. People have overlooked them because it was their coach, Chris Beard, that got arrested on the felony domestic violence charges been since dropped. I think we were talking about that story last week, <clears throat> along with the Alabama murder scandal. But Alabama is really playing well. They are super talented. I mean, and they can really score. They don't mess around. They do have people that light it up from three-point range. Uh, so I'm saying Alabama's in the Final Four, not uh, UCLA. Um, I don't, I'm not looking at a bracket. So you've got my take on Kentucky. Let me think for just a second if I can remember anything else about the other games. Did, are you looking at the bracket? Can you bring that up? Oh, which, which, what are you asking for? Yeah, I've got it in front of the, me. The uh, 2023 NCAA tournament bracket. Okay. I'll... Yeah. And uh, what do you want? Well, I which think part? that's the East East region is the one that Kentucky's in. Right. That'd be Purdue's on the number, bottom left. Purdue's number one, yeah. Right. So take me up to the one above that. Is that the one that has Alabama? Yeah. South. Um, okay, so that take care of then. So then uh, please look to the uh, right, which I think would take you over to the uh, Midwest. Right. And is that, uh, that'd be uh, Houston. That Houston is number one, yeah. So, Houston yeah, one, Houston, Texas two. Texas uh, is going to get that one. I'm, I'll say Texas and Houston in the regional final in Texas. Uh, okay, so I got. Marquette, Alabama, and Texas, and then there at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Is that the one that has Kansas. Gonzaga in it? Uh, Kansas. Oh, yeah. Kansas is number one, number two, UCLA, and number three is Gonzaga. I'm Gonzaga. All right. Because, yeah, they, I had them, so I'm sticking with them. So it's, mm-hmm. I've got uh, Gonzaga, Texas, Alabama. But hold it, Gonzaga and UCLA can't both be in the. That's uh, right, because they're in the same region. So, so you're so UCLA is dropping. Okay. That's that's it. So okay. uh, So we got Z- Gonzaga, Texas. Uh, who is in the South? Alabama. Alabama. 
and yeah. and who's going to win um, East? Are you there? Uh, Marquette. Marquette. Oh, okay. The dark horse has gotten into the the running this week. The dark horse is <laughs> coming into the light. <laughs> The galloping into the light yeah. and just think uh, once the basketball tournament's over um, we can start getting uh, drunk and getting <laughs> excited about the derby <laughs> yeah yeah that now that is worth hours of discussion man hours <laughs> uh, which funny named horse is gonna get the most drugs be whipped and beat the most to get over the finish line ahead of all the other Hey, that's a movie stores. we could make instead of uh, beaten horse. <laughs> instead of cocaine bear, we could we could make a movie called Cocaine Horse. <laughs> the yeah, uh, the whipped horse. The, the the horse owner is like so desperate to win, they give the horse a bunch of cocaine right before the Kentucky Derby and. Yeah, shoot it. Like, ha- yeah, they like really they take bad. a they take a toilet roll and fill it full of cocaine and blow it up there. <laughs> that that's the opening scene of this movie, of course. <laughs> all right, man. man it can all be it can all be like the cover up. Oh no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Yes, indeed, man. You want to ride us on out of here? For the latest uh, NCAA coverage and derby festivities, join us here at the Oblivion Podcast. For my co-host, David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby. Thank you for listening.